All right, uh, let me shift gears. I'm going to invite your attention where we left off a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, I guess now. And I'd like to go back, <clears throat> I'd like to go back to 1 Corinthians, this time chapter 3. And we've seen some things I'm not going to review at all. Those of you that were here, perhaps you remember, and I'll trust that you do. If, if you don't, uh, get on Sermon Audio and listen again, if you like. But I want to just dive right in this morning to chapter 3. It is a continuation, of course, of the train of thought. Obviously, you know there were some things wrong in this church, and Paul is addressing those things, and there's something wrong in every church. And this one is no exception. And that's why this letter is so important, because it reveals the causes for the problems that are in any church. There's a common, common thread common cause, and we've studied some of those. And now Paul takes yet another hitch at it to help us understand what, what is going on. And he calls, he calls it what it is. And so I want to begin, and I'm interested that Mark was where he was today in his Sunday school lesson talking about all of us being influencers for better or for worse. And that's the truth. And he quoted the Apostle Paul. You may remember if you were here, follow me as I follow Christ. Oh, that we all could say that to our children, to our grandchildren to our congregation, to our friends. You follow me as I follow Christ. The same Paul writing to the same church in the second letter talks about there being living epistles known and read. by all men, for better or for worse. He wasn't commending them for being great epistles revealing Christ. He was reminding them that we are living epistles. And they had corrected some things, but the important thing to know is that people can read us like a book. And the question is, are they seeing Christ? Is he being revealed in our living epistle? We can say whatever we want to, but as, as Mark pointed out, what really matters is what we do. And as your pastor, I apologize for the misleading pages that you occasionally read, perhaps more often 
that I'd like to own on my own particular epistle. I thought about that most of the time that our brother was teaching, and that's the way it should be. The Word of God should talk to us and should deal with us as we're seated in the pew or even preaching from the pulpit. The Word of God is designed and sent by God to, to, to continue and advance His work in our hearts and lives. And it was working on me, and I hope it works on you. It works on the teacher. It works on the preacher as he's preparing, as they're preparing. And we hope it works. We've got the Word of God. Nothing like it. No substitute for it. Now I'm down to ten minutes. I'm not on three men anymore, two men anymore. I'm on a different topic. So I just released myself from that. I can't even remember where I am. <coughs> Let's read the text. First Corinthians chapter 3, I want to ask you a question. It comes right from the text. It, it has everything to do with Mark's lesson, which helped encourage me to go ahead forward with this. The question is this, are you a spiritual Christian or are you a carnal Christian? Now I remember years ago a preacher making a statement from this pulpit, I think. He said there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. And Paul didn't know that. He was talking to Christians. He was talking to a church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was talking to brethren, saved people. But he called them out. Called them out. And so this is written for our learning, as is, our, as, as is all Scripture written for our learning. And it's interesting to me that this written 2,000 years ago is every bit, if not more, valid today in modern Christian America than ever before. There's a lot of carnal Christianity in the United States today. And so the question for us as we read this chapter is to not think about someone else, but think about yourself. And ask the question, you know, am I, according to the scriptures, am I, am I a carnal Christian? Or am I a spiritual Christian? Or am I something in between? That's a question worth asking ourselves and doing a little self-examination. And so let's look at it and read the text. I want to read the first uh, <clears throat> 10 verses, I think. And we'll begin to move through it. And I, brethren, see, talking to saved people. And I, brethren, he's talking to the church, the members, he's talking to the church leaders, and all the members. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ, little children, spiritually. 
I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Remember some of the things we've been talking about. Pitting the wisdom of God with the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of God with human wisdom. That's the same thing. That's, a, that's another variation. That's another way of couching it, another way of thinking about it. And this is yet another. So there's carnal and there's spiritual. And remember what maybe what we studied about how do we know the things of God? How can we know? We can't know them as carnal people. We can only know them as the Spirit of God reveals them to us. And so we must be born again. And the Spirit of God, you know, not grieving the Spirit, but allowing the Spirit to work in us through the Word of God in conjunction with the Word of God. And so here we have something else pitted against, something warring with the Spirit of God within us. And that is our carnal nature, our sinful nature, our selfish nature, our rebellious nature against the ways of God. And so, are you a carnal Christian? Let's, let's, let's read the verses. I got started preaching ahead of schedule. So he says to them, Ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? You're not walking like Christians. You're not walking like Christ. You're not walking in the spirit. You're walking in the flesh. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another say, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? We're not followers of men. Only as much as they are following Christ. If they're not following Christ, they're not worth being followed. And that goes for the preacher. When he's not acting Christ-like, you don't need to follow him. You don't want to follow him. And so, that's the point and the emphasis in part here. So, they were following men. They were making a big deal of men. They were exalting men uh, and pitting one against the other in the church. And let me just say this to you, that that's not the only way that carnal Christianity reveals itself. It's a big topic. And we'll make that more clear. It just happened to be this particular thing in this particular church. But don't get hung up on that. Because at this moment in time, that's a relatively minor thing at Grace Baptist Church. Praise God. There have been times that it was much bigger, but we've got other problems that are and can be traced and identified as carnal problems. We're operating too much in the flesh and not enough in the spirit. So we continue. He said, who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers by whom you have believed? You know, I'm going to stop right there reading. I think we've, we've read enough because I just want to try to begin to answer the question. 
And I want each of you to seriously ask yourself the question as you listen to the Word of God being preached this morning. For your good, for the good of this church. It's good to examine ourselves. We don't do enough of that. To examine ourselves, see how we line up with the Scripture. And so on this particular, this morning, maybe you've never asked yourself the question. Maybe you've been a Christian for 50 years, 60 years, all your life almost. Or maybe you're a relatively new Christian. But maybe you've never even considered the question, am I a carnal Christian or am I a spiritual Christian? Paul said in the church, ye who are spiritual, restore somebody that has fallen in this or that. We don't want people helping, trying to help people that have a spiritual fall uh, if they're going to operate in the flesh. That's not going to work. That's not going to help. We've seen that too many times. So his very statement, ye which are spiritual, you help this person. You need to. They need you to. But only if you're spiritual. And so you see, not everybody in the church was spiritual. Not everybody was there. Not everybody was, some were, were, were carnal more than spiritual. And I trust and I believe and I see and I'm fearful that that is the case with many of us today to some degree and to whatever degree it in, interferes with our living epistle which is known and read of all men. So, before you answer the question, it might help to more fully understand the question. Are you a carnal Christian, or are you a spiritual Christian? So, how do we define that? How best to get our arms around and understand exactly what that is? Let's look at carnal first. The English Standard Version talks about spiritual people or people of the flesh. Carnal, people of the flesh. One of the paraphrases, which I like to use because it's modern English and it helps us sometimes to very quickly get it. The, the, <clears throat> this particular paraphrase says, Friends, right now, this is Paul, of course, speaking. Friends, right now, I'm completely frustrated by your unspiritual dealings with each other and with God. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? That's in modern plain English. You are acting like infants in relation to Christ. Now that's Paul. God using Paul, who had the care of all the churches on his shoulders at that point in time. And he was calling it out, wasn't he? Just as it is. Weymouth uses the term worldling for a cardinal. Christian, a worldling, operating by the influence overwhelmingly of the things in the world. I think of Demas, Paul's lament, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Worldling. Oh boy, does it get in the way of being spiritual. And the God of this world is working overtime. So let's look at the words. <clears throat> Those are a couple of translations. Let's look at the words. Spiritual is simply defined this way. Who is spiritual? 
one who acts religious, one who goes to church every Sunday and Wednesday? No, not necessarily. Not that alone. No, that's not the definition. One that reads his Bible every day so that he can get through it in a year, that's a great thing to do. All of you should be doing that, spending time in the Scripture, that you might grow in grace and in knowledge. If you're not in your Scripture, you're not going to grow. Once a week is not enough. You eat, you eat dinner more than once a week. You eat lunch more than once a week. You probably eat breakfast more than once a week. How is it that we can be satisfied, our spiritual man and his hunger, desire the sincere milk of the Word, the Apostle Peter said, that you might grow thereby? Now, most of you that have had babies, either fathers or mother, uh, you know, uh, would Annabeth, 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 would you be happy... Would you be happy if mama fed you once a week? She doesn't know. I know. Her mama knows. Her daddy knows. Desire the sincere milk of the word like a newborn babe that comes born into this world with an innate desire for mama's milk. Oh, they love it. They crave it. They want it when they want it. They need it. God has put it in there for them, and it's better than any formula, as most of you know by now, that you can buy on any shelf at any cost. There is no substitute for God's provision. And the very same thing is true for our spiritual growth. Desire it, Paul said. Desire it like newborn babes. Well, you desire a lot of things, and so do I. And what we really desire can be known and read of all men. And I would bet that you're not spending enough time in God's Word. That'll help you be carnal and not spiritual, I promise you that. The definition, what is the definition? The definition of what it means to be spiritual is, is very simple. One who is filled with and governed by the Holy Spirit. That's a simple definition. It's a clear definition. One who is filled with and governed by. What would your life look like if you were filled with and governed by the Holy Spirit of God? Would it be the same as it is right now? Or would you be living a life that was different? Some measure, maybe completely different, Probably significantly different. I've taken the church back in times gone by to Acts chapter 2. Because there we get a rarefied look at a unique set of circumstances where the Holy Spirit of God was filling the first church in Jerusalem. Like maximum. As, that's, as, as powerful as the Holy Spirit could be. 
And what were they doing? <laughs> they were doing God's will. Every minute of every day. They were wanting to be hearing the Word of God taught. They were wanting to share whatever they had with everyone else. They were doing things that are just crazy in the eyes of the world today. But that's what the Holy Spirit looks like. Foolishness. And that's what Paul uses that term. We've talked about that a little bit. He sprinkles it across the early part of this. How many of us can say that my neighbors think I'm a fool because of my walk with Christ? Some of you can say that. That's good. We should all be able to say that and mean it. But anyway, this is all relevant. So to be filled and governed by the Holy Spirit. But the problem is we can't have our cake and eat it too. If we're going to be filled and governed by the Holy Spirit, then we can't be filled and governed by our carnal nature. Because they're against one another. Carnal means to be governed by mere human nature. I always have to tell on myself a little bit, but I, uh, at prayer band this morning, I was doing a little house cleaning. And uh, I moved some things. I was going to put them in the back. And then I came back. I said, I shouldn't be so mean-spirited. <laughs> One of the men that gathered for prayer this morning said, it comes out easy, doesn't it? I said, yes, it does. For the preacher and for you. We dealt with that some last week. Well, that was, last week, you know, that was last week. We have to deal with that every day. That's right. I mentioned to Kevin what Paul said when he said, Paul said, I die, I die daily. It doesn't mean he was persecuted every day, although he was persecuted quite a bit. But that was what he was talking about is I... I stick myself, my, 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 my carnal nature, my human nature, I shove him every day off into the corner. Get in there and stay in that closet. It's almost that physical, take charge kind of thing. You, you've got to recognize that the default setting is the carnal nature. And you need to shove him back and let the Holy Spirit hold sway. Because our default setting is our carnal nature. And that's what the world that we live in feeds that carnal nature, encourages that carnal nature, carnal decisions. Pursue the things that the world says are important. And all these things, you gotta have this, you gotta have that, you gotta go here, you gotta get this, you gotta think like this, you gotta act like that. The problem is that most of it cannot be found or supported by the book. The Spirit goes by the book. So, you're carnal to the degree, you're a carnal Christian. If you're a Christian, if I'm a Christian, I'm a carnal Christian. When I'm being governed by my human nature which is a fallen nature That's right. 
which is a depraved nature, which is a sinful nature, still is. That's why Paul said, I've got to die daily. Because it comes back the next day just as stronger, stronger than ever. You've heard me say before, my, my, my old nature is like a petulant child. The more I deny him, the angrier he gets. He demands to have some time, literally and figuratively. The problem is the Holy Spirit wants your time. He wants your time. We'd rather give him our money. Well, he wants some of that too. But he really wants your time. Oh, come on now. I'm busy. I've only got so many hours in the day. I can only do so much. How come so little of it has to do with what Christ wants? And so much of it has to do with what you want. Are you a carnal Christian? This is a serious question. It's an important question. Because it was at the core of what all that we would read about that's wrong in the Corinthian church. And also it is at the core of what's wrong in our life as followers of Jesus. What's keeping us uh, from following Jesus as we really, he expects us to if you will. He said, follow me. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Are we following him? Are we following him? He wants your time. Right now in my stage of life, that's the hardest thing for me to give up. So it's a double battle later in life for me. When I thought I had, seemed like I had forever, even though we never know, we act like we know. I'd give it away, no thought. Days, weeks. Get a little closer to the end of the line, it's a little harder. Has been for me. How about you? If that's not the case, then maybe it's that, you know, all the things that we are determined to do or acquire before the end. Maybe they get in the way. Are you spiritual as a Christian or carnal? You know, it's interesting in the New American Standard Bible, it translates the word two times, the same word carnal, as material things. Isn't that interesting? Why is that? Why, why, does the, why did they feel like it was a good translation to translate the word carnal 
material things. Because the more spiritual you are, the less interest you will have in material things. Now you can argue that all you want, but again, you go back to Acts chapter 2 and you see under the full, complete, and total influence of the Holy Spirit in those new Christians after Pentecost, they were giving away the farm. They were being fools for Christ's sake, weren't they? But we have that rarefied glimpse of what it looks like if we are really wholly given over to the Spirit of God. And we are determined by the grace of God to let the Spirit have His way with us. We're not going to be interested in material things too much. Jesus wasn't. He is the one that we're following, isn't He? Somebody tell Joel Osteen that. You don't have to go that far away. Tell us that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Tell me that. That's right. yep. There's a direct proportion, a direct correlation between your allure by material things. and the level of carnality in your spirituality, if that makes sense. You can kind of get an idea why, to me, this is so profoundly important. You can also get an idea, maybe, why it took me so long to agree to preach it. I still don't feel ready to preach it. Maybe I don't feel willing to preach it. But it seemed that the Lord said, now's the time. Mark, he put Mark right where he was today at the appointed time. You know, it's also interesting, some of us have been Christians a long time. I've been, I was saved in 1977. Val said she was too. That's a long time most of my life now. But you know, Paul had been a Christian for 30 years when he wrote in Romans 7, I know that in me, now this is the great apostle now, wonderfully used of the Lord, had the care of all the churches. He was a trophy of God's grace, what God's grace can do, will do. But one of the things it will do is to reveal an honest assessment of what we really are. And this apostle, 30 years now serving the Lord, he said, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, in my carnal nature, there dwelleth no good thing. Amen. Amen. Not even a little bit. No good thing. Amen. 
So why do we have so much trouble shoving that guy into the closet every day when we start our day? And say, I'm going to walk with the Lord. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit fill me and do what He would have me to do. Because He's always willing. Isn't that what the Lord said in the garden to His sleeping disciples? He said, the Spirit is willing. It's your carnal nature, your flesh that is incredibly weak. And there are no exceptions in this room from the pulpit all the way back to where Anna's sitting, including Anna. So that's the reality. So why do we you know, want to hang on to it? Why do we want to listen to it? Why do we want to pander it? Why do we want to give in to it? Why do we let the world you know, encourage us? Well... Some of that answer was bound up in, in, in Mark's Sunday school lesson. We've got some influencers. And they're influencing us. They're redefining for us what it means to be a Christian. I mean, after all, if mom and dad... After all of Grandpa, but you know, this is what I've seen. Yeah, seen it enough to start automatically doing it that way, thinking that way, chasing that, esteeming that, acting that way, thinking that way, deciding that way, responding that way. It comes out easy. <laughs> Man, you encourage it, it'll come out all the time. That's right. And pretty soon, you'll just be completely given over. You still name the name of Jesus, but you're a carnal Christian. And he makes it clear in this chapter later on that that doesn't mean you're lost, but it means you're going to lose. You're not lost, but you're going to lose. And it's a big loss for which you will forever wish you hadn't become so carnal. This life is only for a little while its pleasures and its allurements will soon be up in smoke. No one will remember. But then we have all eternity to think about what we might have done had we been more spiritual. Had given ourselves to the control of the Holy Spirit through the influence of the Word of God. To follow Jesus, that's what we have to do. But it's awfully easy for us to be carnal Christians. The same Paul said in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 7, I'll close here I think for now, the flesh lusteth against the spirit. That carnal nature lusts against the spirit. But the Spirit also lusts against your flesh. 
These two are contrary, the Bible says, one to another, so that ye cannot, so that ye cannot do the things you would. If you're desiring to be spiritual, you cannot do the carnal things. If you're desiring to be carnal, you cannot do the spiritual things. That's the way it is. And so the question is out there, are you seriously, and I hope you're thinking about it, am I carnal? To what degree am I carnal? So chew on that while you're chewing on the goodies on the table out there. And we'll maybe pick this thought up and take it a little further. I think it's worth pursuing, but maybe if you have been serious about asking yourself the question, wherever you are with the Lord, wherever you are in life, wherever you are, young, old, male or female, this is for all of us. And I suspect that every single one of us here is more carnal than the Lord Jesus wishes we were. And I wonder I wonder if that should be so after all that he did for you and for me. Carnal things were of absolutely no interest to him. Sadly, and to our own hurt as Christians, they're of much, much too much interest for the glory of God and for our joy and peace in the Lord. I'll stop there, put a note in the notes, a line across the page. Thank you. May the Lord be pleased. I trust that this was the message that he wanted me to preach. There were some other messages that I wanted to preach more, but and started to do that. I just they wouldn't let me rest there. It's sometimes hard to know. But I often think about and have told you what Brother Pierce said so many times. You want to know what the Lord's will is. Now, everybody's heard this at least a hundred times if you've been here any, any time at all. But like so many things that are true, it doesn't matter how well we know them or how often we've heard them. The only thing that matters is have we done them. <laughs> it doesn't matter how great this wisdom is. And this is the greatest piece of pithy wisdom I have ever heard in my entire life. 
you want to know what the will of God for your life is, you decide what you want to do. And then do the opposite. You try to find exception to that. It's a pretty good barometer. <laughs> and we can chuckle about it and say, boy, that's good. It's so good I'm not going to do it. <laughs> the flesh doesn't like it much. May the Lord bless His Word. May it have been the right choice. I believe it is. As comfortable as it is. We need to be uncomfortable sometimes by the Word of God. Get us out of the boat. Get us out of our comfort zone. And make us surrender a little bit more to the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Amen. May the Lord be pleased in that. Understand and sing.